0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, I'd like to just start with a quick survey, if that's if that's okay. And so, if you can uh, think of someone in your life who pointed you to Jesus, if you can think of someone in your life who points you towards Jesus, someone who helped or helps you to see Jesus more clearly, can you put your hand up? Someone who point. If you can think of someone. Okay, so that's a lot of us, and it seems that most of us have had someone in our lives who's kind of helped or helps us to see the light, and we'll, we'll come back to that thought a little later. If you have a Bible, can I invite you to turn to John chapter 1? It's page 1063 in those red Pew Bibles. But during this International Year of Light, uh, we've been using uh, light as our theme for a kind of short series of Advent reflections. And so far, we've thought about two kinds of light. We've thought about first light, and we've thought about guiding light. And so in week one, we discovered that Jesus, the Word, has been around from the very start. And so John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word. Two thousand years ago, Jesus took on flesh. And as Stephen said, he became God, Emmanuel, God with us. But Jesus has always existed. There from creation. In fact, as John says, "Through him all things were made, and nothing has been made without him." And so there is this sense in which Jesus was first light." And so John goes on to say, "In him was life, and that life was the light." of all mankind. Then last week we thought about the guiding light, the supernatural star of the original Christmas that directed people and some rather surprising people to worship. Plus we reminded ourselves based on that text in Matthew that God's word was and still is the guiding light that illuminates Jesus. God's word reveals Jesus to us, calls us, invites us, urges us then like the Magi to worship and to surrender and our worship should lead to again like the Magi should lead to giving. This morning I want us to think about another light and so as we read from verse 6 of John chapter 1 which is where we stopped three weeks ago we're going to read down to verse 13. You'll very quickly see what the third light is we're going to think about. So please stand with me for the public reading of God's word. John 1 verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light Grab a seat. The very, uh, the very first human being who walks onto the stage of, of John's drama is a man called John. Now it's clearly not the same John as the one writing the gospel account. It's a different John, and he's he's different in lots of ways. And the initial thing that we're told about this particular John is that he was sent from God. So what we're introduced or who we're introduced to is a man on a mission. Now just to give you a kind of wee bit of background about this particular John. This particular John's dad was a man called Zechariah. And he was told by an angel that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a son. And that son, their boy, was going to have a key task. And here was his key task. He's going to bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. Zechariah didn't believe it, couldn't believe it, wouldn't believe it, and he ended up not being able to speak for the rest of his wife's pregnancy. So tempted to make a smart comment about that, but I'm not going to go there. But John was then born six months approximately before Jesus, and it turns out that he is the voice. Nothing to do with singing or revolving chairs, but he is the voice of one who has been sent to prepare the way, to prepare the way for the Lord. And if you read the Old Testament, there's lots of Old Testament references which explicitly refer to the coming of this voice, this one. There's lots more we could say about John, and we know from Scripture, including his kind of out-there dress code and his rather interesting eating habits. But here's how Jesus describes John, and this is important. And and this John eventually goes on to be known as John the Baptist because he went about immersing people in water. But, But here's how Jesus referred to him. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So that's this John who sent from God But look at his mission, verses seven and eight, because we discover three things about his mission. They're on the screen. First of all, John's not the light. Secondly, John is sent to be a witness to the light. And thirdly, he wants all to believe in the light because of his witness. Now, hang on to those three things because although he's not the light, the obvious question to ask, well, then, who is the light? Verse 9 tells us. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And John, the writer, now, is obviously referring to this word, to this Jesus. He's already said that in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He's already said that this light shines in the darkness, the darkness can't overcome it. And now, here he is describing Jesus to his writers as, or to his readers, as the true light. He's the real D. He is the genuine light of and life source. That is life in all its fullness, life as it's meant to be. He's the bona fide light that was necessary to the existence of actual life. Now, in describing Jesus' as true light implies there may be untrue lights. Because if Jesus is the true light, it, it, it seems that there could be false lights, fake lights, sham lights. And without going off on too much of a tangent, I think it's worth making the point that there there are, there have been, and there always will be many other so-called lights that offer illumination and enlightenment. Many of them. And these other lights take many forms, other non-Jesus-centered religions. There's plenty of them about. A whole variety of isms That offer enlightenment and illumination, whether it's materialism, secularism, hedonism, etc., etc., then there's self. You'll find enlightenment, you'll find illumination if you kind of just look into yourself. But only Jesus, according to John, is the one true light. And if that's right, if he is the true light, then nothing else or no one else can be. That's not a popular message today. It's also interesting to note that, that a kind of core feature and ploy of the devil, who is the enemy of every single human heart and mind and soul here. But a key feature and ploy of the devil is that he racks up in our lives disguised as an angel of light. Tries to attract us to another light, ultimately away from the true light. 2 Corinthians 11:14. 14, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, which explains why so many people today are blinded, dazzled, and are unable to see properly. Why? Because the God of this age is blinded, the minds of unbelievers, so that they can't see the light. And the enemy does not want anyone to see Jesus and who he really is. And therefore, he does all he can to deflect people's attention in any other direction. And if you're here this morning and you haven't seen the light, and I know that's a bit of a cliche, if you're here this morning and you haven't seen the light, then... That is our prayer for you this Christmas. It's a simple prayer. It's an honest prayer. It's a direct prayer. But it's our hope and prayer that you will this Christmas not be blinded, not be attracted to some other light, but you'll see the one true light. But part of this seeing clearly, part of this illuminating process may involve and probably will involve a John the Baptist type figure in our lives a witness to the light. You see, John came, John was sent by God, why? To enable people to see. He was sent by God to enable people to gain a better, a more lucid understanding of who Jesus was, why he came, how they should respond to him, that here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What's our response God? to be him? Listen, I'm calling you to repent. Again, not a popular message, I know. Calling you to repent, why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. John was a key witness. His words, his message, his life pointed people to Jesus. And just going back to that survey at the beginning, there are many people here who have had a John-like figure, person, friend in their lives who does the same for them. People in our lives who've pointed us to Jesus. I can think of a number of people in my life who did that. I can still think of a number of people in my life who point me to Jesus. And for those of us who have been pointed to Jesus, for those of us who have seen the light, we are each then to be those witnesses just for someone else. Remember what what Jesus said to his disciples before he returned to be with his father? He said, listen, see every one of you. You will be my spirit-empowered witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is part and parcel now of our mission. We're the ones now sent by God with a mission to fulfill. This is now our calling. This is now our responsibility. And the issue isn't whether or not we are witnesses. We've talked about this before. The issue is whether or not we're effective witnesses. We are witnesses. Those of us who claim to live in God must walk as Christ walked. But those of us who claim to live in God are to be, are God's spirit imparted witnesses. That's just the fact of it. So the issue isn't whether we are or whether we aren't. The issue is what kind of witnesses are we? Are we pointing people to Jesus? Are we helping people to see the true light? Is Jesus visible in and through our lives. But let's go back to those three things we said about John the Baptist because they they kind of provide us some help in what this means. To, To start with, John's not the light, neither are we. I know that's stating the obvious, but you know what this is a reminder of? This is a reminder that it's never about us. It's always about Jesus. It's never about us. It's always about Jesus. As as you read down the rest of John 1, you discover that, that some people wondered if John was, in fact, the Messiah. Some even wondered, was he Elijah? Some even wondered, was he just an Old Testament prophet who was back from the dead? But you know something? John very quickly deflected attention away from himself. He placed attention exclusively in Jesus, and he said, you know something? I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. John knew it wasn't about him. Gifted as he was, special as he was, anointed as he was. I mean, this is someone who was filled with the Spirit before he was even born. So he was special. He was gifted, he was anointed, but you know something? John knew it's, it's not about me. My job, my mission, my desire is to point people to Jesus. And suppose the question I just asked us this Christmas, those of us who are, Jesus' followers is this. Is that our desire? That in everything we say and do that we want to point people to Jesus? Or are we actually going, hey, look at me. Look at me. Two chapters later, we read this brilliant quote from John the Baptist. Because this clarifies his understanding of where he stood and this provides us with a great daily prayer. He must increase. I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become less. Who do people see in us? To see us, to see me, to see I? to see Jesus? Secondly, John was sent to be this witness to the light, just as we are. And we've said it before. But you know, God's, it seems crazy, and we've said that before. God's plan A for reaching this world is us. We are Christ's witnesses. We have been commissioned by Jesus to go into all the world and to share the good news. The good news of Jesus who is able to come and take away the sin of the world. The good news of Jesus who calls us, calls people to turn their lives around, to turn their lives back to God, who has come so that people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Will see the true light. And if that person that we thought about earlier hadn't pointed us to Jesus, wonder where we'd be today. And if we don't embrace our calling, our commission, our God-given mandate, then what is going to happen to those around us? Again, we're in the unpopular territory, I know. But if we don't embrace our calling, our mission, our responsibility. What is going to happen to those around us? Our family members and our friends and our work colleagues and those we socialize with us who need a witness. See, John 1 starts, there was a man. There generally always is. There generally always is. And finally, what was John's aim? What was his intention? What was his hope? That all would believe in the light And that remains ours. Why? Why does this remain our calling? Do you know the only answer I can give you is this. The stakes are so incredibly high. Those who believe, and John will write this two chapters later. Those who do believe won't perish. More on popular terms. Those who do believe won't perish, but will have eternal life. Life as it was meant to be. Life in all its fullness. Zoe life. But for those who don't, for those who don't, the implications are shockingly bleak. And so this matters. It's too important to ignore it's too important to avoid. It's too important to say, you know, there'll be somebody else who'll be a witness in that person's life. I can't be that person. So, three things. It's not about us. We have been sent now. I know John the Baptist was sent specifically, but we have now been sent generally to be a witness to Jesus. Why? So that all may believe. But back to the text, because then comes the honest realism, the honest realism about our witness and about John's witness. You see, when the true light first came into the world, he wasn't fully recognized. Even his own people, those who have been waiting and longing for a Messiah, a rescuer, they didn't receive him either. They were too busy waiting for a political Messiah, but but what they got was a humble savior. So Jesus remained unrecognized and rejected. And sadly, that is still the reaction of many today. They just don't get Jesus. And they certainly won't receive him. And there are a number of reasons for that. And part of it could be that they haven't found a witness, or at least they haven't found a credible witness. They maybe know some people who claim to follow Jesus but there's this kind of disconnect in what they hear and in what they see. And they're just longing for a credible witness, someone who will point me to the real Jesus, to the true light. Part of it could also be what we said earlier, that they're blinded by false lights. And the reality is, and again, this is is one of these things that it's not particularly easy to say. But John three nineteen, light has come into the world, but you know something? People just love darkness. Far more than light. Lots of people simply want to do their own thing. Lots of people just want to live their own way and keep a distance, a safe distance from true light. Why? Because true light exposes the futility of superficial living. Sometimes the lack of light suits us. But you know something that's going to ruin us? It's going to ruin our society. And so people won't get Jesus. They don't want him in their lives. And although that should, and I've got to be honest with this, because I, I I can kind of fire out phrases like this. Although that should disturb us, it shouldn't surprise us. Because many of those who first encountered Jesus in the flesh wrote him off and weren't prepared to take him seriously. But there is another response. There was another response then, there's another response now. It's in verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And you know, thankfully, there are those who accept Jesus. There are those who now find themselves back in the family of God, back in relationship, intimate, personal relationship with Almighty God, with their Creator. And in those verses, you have this important balance between human responsibility and divine sovereignty. Yes, we must believe. We must believe that's our choice, that's our call, that's our decision. But ultimately, we are born of God. There's a supernatural dimension to this, which I cannot fully explain. And so this morning on this Sunday before Christmas, before we kind of ramp up the celebrations and we all start running a little faster to get everything done in time, where do we find ourselves before God today? How do we stand in the brilliance of his true light? Are we going to receive Jesus or reject him? That's a choice each of us have. And for those of us who have accepted him at some point in our lives, very probably as a result of somebody pointing us to Jesus. But for those of us who have believed, can I encourage us to take the chance today to recall and renew, if necessary, our commission to witness this Christmas. To be the kind of people who point others to Jesus. Who will help them to see the light.